There are basically three things that happen from behind this little handy-dandy little platform. Teaching, which I like to do. Encouraging, which I like to do, which is sometimes challenging. That's also encouraging. And sometimes just having a chat, a talk about kind of some things that run through my head. And I, I love my life. I love the opportunity that I have to do this every week, to share these ideas, encouragement, development, hopefully some thought-provoking stuff at times. It is a highlight of my week. It's hard work. Um, well, not really. I mean, I only work one day a week. I wrote all this this morning. When I'm done today at 2, that's it. I'll see you next week. I'm off. <laughs> it's hard work sometimes, but worth it. But sometimes I don't want to do it. And what I mean by that is sometimes I have things that I want to say that I just don't think I should say or can say. Or, and sometimes I have an idea and I think it through something challenging and then I think, oh, that won't be good. And then I sit back and I wait for Hashem to say, hey, that won't be good. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't talk about that. Because I know it might be challenging or controversial. And really, I mean, what, what's the point of even going there, right? My mom always said when I was growing up, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Actually, my mom never said that. My mom always said whatever she wanted to say and told me to do the same thing. So that's not true. But the, the, the basis, th this was one of those weeks, and it was built off of, the reason is, I had a conversation, some conversations last week, but I never really intended to talk about them. Then I taught a leader's roundtable for the leaders at First Roots of Zion. And I thought, as in my content that I developed, I thought, gosh, this has something to do with the conversation I had last week. Should I connect that? And still I said, nah. And then I got a random meme in my text. And I thought, darn, this is connected to what I don't want to talk about. Should I? Nah, I won't. I just kept waiting for Hashem to say, nah. Something else. Talk about, you know, the, talk about the Haftorah. But then I kept hearing him say instead, no, go ahead, do it. Talk about it. In love, that's what you're going to say. So, that's what I'm going to do. And listen, if, 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 if you were the ones, one of the ones I had a conversation with week, don't, last week, don't worry, I'm not going to mention your name. I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Actually, it's really a good thing because it was inspiring and made me think and hopefully will bring some clarity to some things. Uh, if you were on the roundtable that I did last week, I don't know if anyone in here was, but you'll know some of what I'm going to talk about. But a little duplication never hurt. So with all of that build up, what is the message that I want to talk to you about? Well, even finding a title for it was difficult. Even titling it, Is the Church Our Friend? Should we hate the church? Is Messianic Judaism an enemy of the church? Ultimately, I settled with this very basic title. Are we at odds with the church? Because let's face it, we have some differences. We have some differences and sometimes, actually oftentimes, we discuss those differences, which 
honestly can often give the appearance that we are indeed at odds. And we have a lot of new people, both in-house, in the room, listening online, listening around the world, new to messianic things, who might actually feel that, sort of the, uh, uh, an at-odds uh, opinion of the church. So I, I want to unpack and clarify some things today that are, that are important. Now, let's be very uh, straightforward here. There are people in Messianic, Messianic Judaism who are absolutely and totally at odds with the church. They are rude, they are abrasive, they are insulting. Usually they're not, I quote, my, I quote Messianic Judaism because they're not really Messianic Judaism. Their Hebrew roots are some type of cultish thing where they feel this, this this sick pleasure of going to Christians and telling them, you worship on Sunday, that's the sun god's day. You celebrate Easter, that's Ishtar. And they get some sweet pleasure out of making Christians feel bad and, you know, and, and insulting and attacking. First off, one side note. If you have anything to do with Shalom Macon, Please never have a conversation with a Christian where you mention the sun god of Rome or Ishtar. It's not helpful. It does damage to everything we do. That's just a little side note. But those, those adversarial people that I'm talking about, Hebrew roots or what I call militant messianics, they don't count. They're not in this conversation. They are absolutely at odds with, with everyone, actually, themselves. And we are not those people. But as an example, we, we at Shalom Macon, people I, I work with and, 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 in, and uh, interact with at First Roots of Zion, other authentic Messianic synagogues, authentic Messianic Jewish scholarship, that's the we I'm talking about. We do say things that conflict with Christian theology. That is undeniable. The Shabbat, it's not a day that got changed by Jesus. The biblical festival calendar, it's still as appropriate today as it was then. It never went away. They're not shadows in that sort of sense that they're viewed. The law, the Torah, we have a very different perspective on the Torah. We usually have a different perspective on the Jewish people and on Israel and its continued relevance even after Jesus. We have some differences and often those differences are the very things that have been rejected by Christian theology for millennia. And and, and what what happens is our, our viewpoint is viewed as, at best, it's incorrect. At worst, we're absolute heretics for the things that we say and talk about. So there are some differences and, and, and these are controversial things. And if you've ever been around, if you've been around Messianic Judaism for more than a week, if that, you've felt some of that conflict. You've had a conversation with someone or you have, you have had an argument or been rebuked or corrected or attacked or ignored or ostracized or even worse, excommunicated from a community, from a group of friends, from family. I mean, it actually happens. 
So my message title, forgetting about the Hebrew roots and militant messianics, are we, us, shalom making, are we at odds with the church? And it's a question you may never have thought about for yourself because the answer is so very obvious, but you should reframe it and ask it this way. Does the church feel that we are at odds with them? That's a better way of phrasing it. Now, in a very gentle and healthy conversation last week, someone told me, I think they could feel that from some of the things you say and, you know, the way you present information. Sometimes it's a little, tr it, it's a little, I, I don't like it, actually. I don't like it when you mock the church. And, you know, I, I could have said, they deserve it. They're pagan, Ishtar, sun gods. <laughs> or I could have said, I don't care what you think. Sit down, shut up. Some leaders do stuff like that. I've been under them before. But I heard that, and I listened to it. And it, 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 it took up residence in my thoughts and in my mind. And, and honestly, I've heard it before. You shouldn't make fun like, you don't need to do the, the voices and make the comments. And here's another side note. I told you about Ishtar and the sun god. Side note, if someone points out something to you about your attitude, your character, your way of life, more than once, other people, multiple people say it, you should listen to it. You should at least pay attention to it and see if there is something for you to learn from it. That's just a little, that's just a little life note. The truth of the matter is I do poke fun sometimes of everyone, including myself. I do imitations of Southerners because I am one. I can get away with it. I tell Jewish jokes because I'm Jewish and I can get away with it. I talk about the Baptist church a lot because we're surrounded by Baptists. I attended a Baptist church, so I, you know, I, I have experience. I also went to a Catholic church, a Vineyard church, a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church, IHOP worship. I went to North Point Church, Andy Stanley's church when Kelly and I first got married. I've been around a little bit. Now, I actually did make straight up fun of Benny Hinn for healing people by taking his suit jacket off and hitting him in the face. I thought that was a legitimate, though. That was legitimate. And if you haven't seen the video, you need to. But part of that poking fun, part of the poking fun part of it is, is their fault. These two people right here, <laughs> them. I grew, up in a, I grew up in an American Jewish home, okay? You may or may not know my dad, but if you look up sarcasm in the dictionary, you will probably find Richard Eisner's picture there. There was a lot of making fun. There was a lot of laughing at each other. There was a lot of complaining sometimes and just a lot of emotion and stuff that went on. And you had better learn how to be sarcastic if you're going to survive in my house. So part of it is their fault. But it did rub off. And so honestly, sometimes in my presentations, I just... I. I I go to that place. And here's the deal, though. I don't care. You can make fun of my monotone if you want. You can make fun and call me a Judaizer or say I'm from the circumcision party or whatever. I get it. It's just the way it is. But 
I, I do realize that sometimes that can give the wrong impression and might actually make people feel very much at odds. And so I listened to that. And I actually, when someone told me that long time ago, I tried to kind of rein it in, so I stopped making as many voices. But sometimes my personality gets the best of me. But there's a question on the table beyond, I don't have a negative intention when I do that, but the question, are we at odds with the church? Now, the church is a very big organism, so that's kind of hard to say. Is Christianity our enemy? Do we distance ourselves from Christian brothers and sisters? Is that a Messianic Jewish requirement? Better yet, is it an inevitability because of who we are and what we are. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'm just going to bust it wide open right here and totally let, it down, let you down and give you the conclusion. The answer, no, we're not at odds with the church. Does that come as a big surprise? Of course it doesn't. I hope you already know that. We're not at odds with the church, but sometimes in our work, it is nearly unavoidable that the message may be received as if we are. Now, back to my conversation about mocking and giving the appearance of disrespect. There was a much deeper consideration for me that came out of that conversation than just me toning back my redneck voice usage. Another conversation I had later in the week with someone else said, when we give the impression that we're at odds, it diminishes the value of what we're actually doing. Now, that was the point. You're losing value in what we're doing if you are running people off and being at odds with them. So much so that, that uh, in my conversation, someone said, I have friends in the church that are interested that I want to bring here, but I'm afraid because... They might feel attacked. As I said, I got that. It resonated with me. I understand. I do. And I'm, and I'm aware of it. And, you know, there are so many people in the world today creating destruction rather than constructing anything. So I definitely don't want to do that. But that statement diminishes the value of what we're actually doing. Made me ask this question. What are we actually doing? I take what I do very, very seriously, and what we do, because we're all in it together. We're family, uh, so to speak. And because we're not at odds with the church and should never give the impression that we are, but inevitably... When we are doing what we do, it may be felt because we are not at odds with the church, but we are not the church. And this is a difficulty. We live and function in this unique space between two worlds of traditional Judaism, that means no Yeshua, and Christianity. And, and here's, for example, people ask me if I use the term Christian to describe myself. And I say, usually no, but if, if, if it puts you at ease or makes you feel better, I can. I don't use that term. And there's nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong with the term. You're darn right there's nothing wrong with the term. 
See, I had to use that voice. I just wanted to get that one little voice in. I didn't overemphasize it. You're darn right there's nothing wrong with that term. It's a, it's a, it's, it just means you're a Christ follower, right? And you are that. Yes, I am, true, but connotation. Connotation is really important. An idea or feeling that a word invokes in addition to its literal or primary meaning. Generally speaking, a Christian does a lot of things differently than I do. The day of communal worship, the holidays celebrated, the diet, the perspective toward Torah, wearing hats in God's house. You know, it doesn't, it, that doesn't describe my observance because people will associate me with something that I'm not really associated with. And, and we share faith and hope and belief in God, hope in Yeshua, that's certainly true. There is a much more useful term, just as another side note, to describe us all. Do you know what we are? Disciples. We are all disciples of the Master Yeshua. Judaism used that term. That's why the disciples called, were called disciples. That's why they called him Master, Teacher. It means a disciple of Yeshua. He is my Master, my Teacher, my Lord. Now, does that distinction put us at odds with the church if I say that? Of course not. It shouldn't. But it does. And people have gotten offended by me saying that. But it's, it's really a common sense, worthwhile distinction. I used to have a little shih tzu named Elvis. And when people came, if people ask me, what kind of dog do you have? A St. Bernard. And they come to my house and they see it's a Shih Tzu and they say, that's not a, you can't call a Shih Tzu a St. Bernard. It means something else. Words have a very particular meaning. So there's a unique connotation and meaning behind that word. That's all it means, but when I have that conversation, it can come off as very offensive. Don't get started talking about diet and different things like that. All of it really tends to rub the wrong way. But part of what we're doing is making those distinctions known. And sometimes that can be perceived as judgment, condemnation, criticism by our Christian brothers and sisters and give somehow the impression that we think we're better than them or superior to them or that there's this hierarchy in God's eyes and that, we're, and that we are at odds with them. So my previously mentioned conversation, if we're not sensitive about how those distinctions are addressed, if we don't do it with love and sensitivity, it will backfire. It will diminish the work that we're doing. But I think it is very helpful to identify what we are doing. It seems rhetorical. We attend a Messianic synagogue. We celebrate Shabbat and the festivals. We study Torah. We don't eat bacon, probably. It's how we worship God. That's what we're doing. And that's true, and that's great. But I, I am firmly committed to this idea. I read it somewhere once. To whom much is given, much is expected. And that's true. In other words, I feel like this is much more than just some choice we made, a random decision to look, act, talk differently than many disciples. What I feel is that, even though this may be hard to envision, I feel that we found a pearl of great price. The pearl of great price is the kingdom. But I believe that we have found together here 
And in, in authentic, sensitive, loving Messianic Judaism, a pearl of great price. And I believe that we, some have sold everything to buy that field. People have moved here from other states. People drive 45 minutes. Uh, there's, you combine everyone's drive time in here, it's probably a lot. We have people all over the world who, who watch and do this kind of stuff. We're doing something really important, but, but what, is our, what is our work? We have this very special thing. I believe in Messianic Judaism. Torah, foundation, Yeshua as prize, kingdom expectation, all of this stuff is unique in the world and challenging for a lot of people. Have you ever had any challenging conversations about what you do and why? And here's, here's a bombshell. I believe that this is superior to many things that have been taught for thousands of years in Christianity. Because this came first. That is my opinion. It does not mean that I think that every answer, every word I've spoken, every attitude, every thought, or everything that is in Messianic Judaism has descended from heaven like Joseph Smith's golden plates. And here we have everything, all the answers. I definitely know that's not the case. Or more importantly, that the church is in some way bad or defective. I do think that it is incomplete in some ways. And on an important level, that is our task. When I talk about the pearl of great price, what I mean is that's a, that's a work. That's a calling that has been put on your life to help amend some of those gaps. And what is the work? That's what I keep, you keep saying work. What are you talking about? We're, we're certainly not at odds with our brothers and sisters in the church, but we do have work to do related to Christianity. And at the risk of sounding haughty, God has called you to do that. Not because you are, we read in the Torah portion this week, I mentioned it in Shakri, that, that God says, hey, listen, don't, don't, you don't own this land. He's talking to Israel. You don't own this land. This is my land. You're a sojourner here. Okay? Suggesting that like we have achieved some super high spiritual pinnacle. And so God again is, ah, Jane, Go. Not anything like that. But because you have found and God has revealed, that puts the work, the ball in your court to make some changes. Our work, our work, we are not at odds with the church, but we are not the church. And sometimes in our work, it is nearly unavoidable that the message may, re may be received as if we are at odds. Our work is change. It starts right here, and then it can go out. Our work is also about restoration. It starts right here, and then it can go out. And on a huge level, that is exactly the same work that Yeshua was about. I'm not talking about saving the world. That you can't do. 
but the work of change and restoration on an achievable level for us. Yeshua was in that business. He was in the change and restoration business. Do you know why he was in that business? Because he was a good son. And that's his father's business. Change and restoration. Something changed in the Garden of Eden, and God has been reorienting the world toward it ever since. There will be a restored kingdom. The Father's changing that back. That's His business. We are participants in that. We are about the Father's business. Change and restoration. Because honestly, a lot changed after the couple of centuries that Yeshua was here, too. A couple centuries after, it got way different, didn't it? And this, the, the, the idea of our business and our father's business, it seems maybe out of place, but don't forget that Yeshua said that. The King James translates it when he was lost from his parents. And they said, we're looking frantically for him. And he says, what? Did you not know I would be here? I'm, I must be about my father's business. That's the, that's the King James. It doesn't really say exactly that. It, he was... He was in my father's house, in my father's affairs. It doesn't really, it's not that specific. But he was about the business of the kingdom of God. And it began with inspiring change among people. Now, guess what? On many, many levels, think about what Yeshua said, who he said it to. And on how many levels did it seem to put him at odds with everyone he talked to? Especially the religious establishment. And there was a lot of establishment. Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, Essenes, Herodians, Romans. I mean, he, and he was talking and with stern words and criticism and correction, of course, balanced with love and encouragement. But, you know, Paul did the same thing. Paul was very stern. And Paul, I like him. You know why? He even used sarcasm sometimes. But it was never, ever because they were at odds with their brothers. They were about changing a return, the restoration of something, which was more than just their salvation. Yeshua, Paul, us, were about the Father's business, change, restoration. And I believe, yes, wholeheartedly that some of that needs to make its way to our brothers and sisters in the church, who we are not at odds with, but we are willing to challenge and I'll tell you the prerequisite for you being able to challenge. I'm not going to do it this week. I'll finish this next week. But you don't just get to march in there and start challenging everybody. There's a whole long thing you need to do before that. But that is the commission. That's the great commission. Make disciples, not converts. Make disciples of all men. And I believe that is part of our work together, Jews and Gentiles in the Messianic Synagogue. And it's a challenge, but you know especially why it's challenging? That is because the world resists change. Whether it is physiology, psychology, especially theology, all resist change, but that's our business in the world. We are not at odds. One day, the Lord will be one and his name, one, will be there together. And certainly we should be starting that right now. But next week, I want to tell you, this 
work. This business that your father has called you in, Messianic Judaism, vis-a-vis Christianity, what you're dealing with, what you need to be prepared for, why you meet resistance, a unique explanation of why you meet resistance. And I'll, cre- I'll, I'll share my own created term to describe what we do in our business for the kingdom. And most importantly, the importance of learning that to succeed, we will need to learn how to mind your business. And that has a couple of meanings. So I'm just going to abruptly end that right there and say, I'll see you next week. And we'll conclude it all. That's food for thought based on a very provoking conversation. I hope, I hope that I heard right from Hashem and presenting this and concluding it next week. But we'll find out then. Shabbat Shalom. Let's stand up.